0: Hi there. I'm Joe Dudek, president and founder of Keyhole Marketing.
1: And I'm Shannon Jarek. I work for Keyhole as the assistant brand manager.
0: And this is Metaphorically Speaking, a podcast that explores the mysterious side of marketing.
1: And welcome to Metaphorically Speaking. This is episode 18 for us, and we are just super excited to dive into another fantastic interview with a local business owner in Colorado Springs. We are actually doing something a little bit different. We're staying tried and true to our interview style, but really just wanted to pivot a little bit and focus kind of on this season of the COVID-19 or coronavirus. And we wanted to just talk with these business owners or entrepreneurs just to find out how the COVID-19 has impacted or affected their business, you know, their sales, their staff, what are some long-term changes or things that they're gonna have to implement moving forward. And we're gonna call this little mini-series Cause in COVID.
0: If you're not from Colorado Springs too, cause is COS short for Colorado Springs. So just so you know, like what's that's such a weird name why is it why are you saying that so, <laughs> so that's a little play on words there causing covid
1: i did think it was funny the first time you used it after moving i was like yeah. what okay you're a local i, know. Now. I, I feel like it. i'm part of, the, <laughs>
0: part of the community now, for sure.
1: that's right <laughs> yeah so we're getting started this first interview is with bruce mcgrew who is the owner of pro cycling in colorado springs So they've got two locations, an east and west store, and they originally started out by serving kind of the high-end racer or enthusiast biker and ultimately pivoted Still serving that audience, but also now serving kind of the entry level and beginner biker, as well as just kind of the family members and children as well. So it's
0: good for people so, like me and people like you who are trying to get on bike. Yeah,
1: I do love. He's talking about people like struggling up yeah. the hill, and you're just like, yeah, that that's was me. definitely me.
0: That's me, like outside my front door. Uh, I can go great when I turn to the right. If I turn to the left, forget about it. It's uphill the whole way. So um, no, it's it's this is why we just love doing these interviews with with entrepreneurs. I mean, we love doing this with work. We love working alongside them, changing their businesses, telling their stories. And, you know, honestly, going into these episodes, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a glass half full kind of person. So I was hoping I'd hear some, some good stories, but I also was expecting that everything would just be disastrous. And, and um, it's, you know, Bruce's story is so encouraging. Um, not only how he shifted and and how things have happened for his business, but also um, how the kind of local economy and local governments um, helped support him and get the word out there Mm -hmm. and and his desire to to, put a bike um, in each person's garage, basically, and give them a chance to get out (laughs) in nature. And that was was more of our local government's response to to COVID is to get out in nature Mm -hmm. and and of course we're blessed with being able to spread out and and not be on top of each other and still be at parks and and that kind of thing. So yeah, super interesting story.
1: Yeah. Thank you to Bruce for sharing it with us and we hope you all enjoy it as well.
0: So maybe you can just start off by just giving a quick synopsis about pro cycling. You know, how long have you been in business? What exactly do you offer kind of like what, what's your differentiator or why do you exist in the marketplace?
2: Okay. Well, we're, uh, we're now officially 17 years old. We just had our, our most recent, uh, anniversary was 17. Um, I originally started the business, uh, basically because I felt like Colorado Springs didn't have a shop, uh, a bike shop that catered to, um, the high end, uh, racer enthusiast crowd. Um, so our initial, our initial store, which was up on the north end of town, um, Pretty much did that. We we carried mostly high-end road and mountain bikes, and um, found out that there was a pretty good demand for, you know, for bikes. Believe it or not, you know, up north of uh, ten thousand dollars in retail pricing, and we kind of differentiated ourselves by being the only store in town that actually carried those bikes in stock. Um, any bike shop can order any bike from any manufacturer that they happen to represent, but you have to wait, and you know, a lot of people don't want to wait, so. The thing that 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 made us different i think from from the rest of the uh from the rest of the shops in 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 our town was the fact that we actually stocked high-end bicycles both road and mountain at the time and and high-end components um since then we've uh we've kind of morphed into a little bit different business model in that we found that you know high-end bikes are certainly in demand and always have been and probably always will be but You know, in the last, uh, oh, probably five years or so, we've started coming down in price points. And um, in fact, two years ago, I opened our second location out on Powers Boulevard. And that store pretty much specifically caters to more like entry-level beginner riders as well as kids. We have a department in that store that's nothing but kids' bikes and gear that goes along with it so the two stores kind of complement each other we 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 carry some some uh, more entry-level bikes at the west store which is the original location Mm -hmm. and um if people want something that we don't happen to have in stock we can either transfer transfer it the next day or they can run out to the east store and and look at that and by the same token we'll carry you know high-end representation of bikes at the east store. and if somebody wants something that they don't have there chances are we got it at the west store so um you know, I guess, I guess nowadays we're, you know, what, what the point of having two stores is to try and capture all of the, all of the bike uh, potential buyers and market versus just, you know, just more like the high end enthusiast guys. And and so far it's worked pretty good. Our e-store has, has uh, it took a while to kind of ramp up sales and we, we had to spend a good little bit of money on advertising just to get people to, for people to understand that we were out there. Um, but that seems to happen and, and we're seeing sales, uh, you know, increase um, each month as, as more people come into the store and tell their friends that we're out there. So, so far I, I, I chalk it up to a, a good decision. It, was, it yeah. was, there was a lot of questioning between myself and, and I do have a partner in the business. Brian Stratton is our general manager. There was a lot of uh, going back and forth about the idea of opening a second, a second shop, but so far it seems like it's worked out good. So that's, that's kind of the synopsis of Procycling.
0: Yeah. And you answered kind of the next question, which was, who exactly do you serve? So it sounds like it was initially that high end market and then you've added in that family kind of casual, casual bike rider, uh, to the mix as well. Um, your business, how was it immediately impacted by COVID? I'm, uh, you know, obviously some businesses were marked as essential, some were not, were you closed for a long while? Were you closed just for a short while and then able to reopen? How did that play out for you?
2: Well, um, as you may know, uh, bicycle shops um, were classified as essential, okay. and um, we never completely closed. Okay. Back in February, when the whole thing kind of happened, um, we went from kind of a tipper. You know, February has never been a particularly good month in the bike business, but mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's the, kind of the beginning of the the season, right. and. Right. Um, when the virus uh, and all the news and information and misinformation and all that stuff, you know, rolled out in that month, our sales absolutely stopped. And Brian, my man, my partner, and I had some really, really uh, difficult conversations about what we were going to do to sustain the business. The idea came up of temporarily shuttering the east store and bringing some key employees over to the west store, et cetera. Um, weirdly enough, in about a three-week period between the end of February and the beginning of March. Um, our February went from about half of our normal February sales to March went to about double our typical March sales. So mm-hmm. we had this pretty significant swing in, in sales and um, we we're caught a little bit off guard because, of course, we were trying to, you know, follow CDC regulations as far as what you do in a retail establishment. So we we uh, for a while, we actually closed the door of the store and made made our, 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 our clients kind of wait until somebody came and opened the door and said, what do you want and how can I help you? And if it was a bike that had to be serviced, they would actually write up the order out in the parking lot and then bring the bike in. And if they wanted to buy a specific tire or part or something, we would bring it back to the front. But after we got some more you know, clarity as far as how we could run it, basically what we did is uh, open the store, but allowing no more than five customers in at a time so that we could maintain social distancing it was difficult, um, you know, it, it, it was it was it's hard to run a business like that when you've got 10 people standing around outside. We couldn't really monitor their social distancing um, from inside the store. So I don't exactly know how effective it was. But um, after a while, we just simply we just simply adopted the uh, the the strategy of, hey, um, b- before the most recent uh, decision about mask wearing. You know, we basically told people it's optional, but we suggested um, our employees would would wear masks if any of the customers came in with masks. Um, if they didn't, some of them would, you know, pull their pull their mask down or whatever. But of course, nowadays, the mandate is that, you know, anytime you're in an enclosed um, retail establishment, everyone wears masks. So. So that's how it is. Um, normally, I mean, nowadays we we don't restrict the number of uh, the number of customers in the store. We just we just require everybody to wear masks, and um, that's that's kind of how we've reacted to the to the virus. Um, you know, functionally speaking, um, as far as sales go, you know, I don't know how much you want to get into that, but it's uh, it's definitely been a you know been a significant increase, and I think that there's. A number of industries. Anybody that has anything to do with outdoor activities, whether it's, whether it's RV sales or bicycles or you name it, um, I think they're seeing a sig- significant increase in sales. The flip side of that is that we're all seeing very, very difficult um, uh, inventory availability from our suppliers due to both the interruption in the supply chain. Back when you know all the stores, I mean, basically everything in the in the cycling industry is made in the far east and there were a lot of the factories that were closed down for months at a time back then so there was a disruption in uh in the the supply of parts and 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 uh bike frames and the whole thing and then i I don't think any of the manufacturers anticipated that they would have the kind of demand um that they've had so what it's led to is a lot of retailers like myself that look like they're kind of going out of business because we just simply haven't been able to reload our inventory like we normally would
0: Mm -hmm. yeah did you see a or hear of any sort of shift in like pain points that your customers had pre-COVID and post-COVID? Was there some sort of, um, I don't know, the reason they were choosing you prior to COVID and then maybe a shift in that when people were able to come back outside of their house and were they expressing some of that to you? Um, or did things just, was was the need the same just maybe heightened a little bit?
2: well i'll tell you we one thing we did notice immediately is is new customers new faces people that we weren't familiar with the west store especially we have customers that have literally been coming in for 15 years now and um we started seeing a lot of a lot of new uh new faces and i think that part of it i can't really take you know i can't really take responsibility for because some of the other stores you know, handled the virus differently than us. Um, a couple of them actually closed uh, for a period, and several others adopted more restrictive um, access. You know, protocols that I think maybe, you know, we were the benefit of. I I I'm, I'm reluctant to say that, but I mean, I do think that yeah. we were the beneficiary of some some of that. The flip side is, I do like to think that we've always had a you know had a had a pretty good reputation in town. We've got a high Google rating, and I think that when people realized that maybe the store in their closest to their house was out of inventory or closed, that you know we became kind of the default go-to place. And um, as far as pain points, I think that people, I think that people realized after the you know the lockdown orders came down that one of the few things that they could do and enjoy was getting out, whether it was walking the dog or riding their bike or do, going for a jog or whatever. And I think a lot of people realized that, um, you know, that dusty 12-year-old bike that was sitting out in the garage needed a tune-up. And um, we were absolutely inundated with uh, with service requests and orders during that initial March time. It's tapered off a little bit since then. But, um, and as well as people that just realized that, you know, hey, that mountain bike that's 15 years old is just simply not, I mean, they don't even make 26-inch tires anymore. So maybe I need to upgrade. And that resulted in a lot of people coming in and granted we were, you know, we had a lot of people coming into the West Store looking for $500 bikes. And mm-hmm. frankly, we don't even stock them. So we would, you know, we would suggest they go out to the East store and that lasted for about a month or two until the, about, more like about six weeks until the East store pretty much ran out of all their inexpensive inventory. So, yeah. um, we've seen a little bit of, um, you know, people coming in getting a little bit of sticker shock, but they also know that, you know, we're not unique, um, in that we've got, you know, limited inventory and some of them, you know, probably bought bikes that were a little bit out of their, out of their budget when they first started shopping. But again, pain point wise, I think that people realized that the one thing that they could do during this time that was technically legal was to get out and exercise and, yeah. you know, bikes are a natural extension of that. So I think that we were the beneficiary as well as the other, you know, retail bike shops in town.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you see, obviously things change, uh, by the minute, uh, sort of like projections for long-term, um, recovery, long-term, uh, effects. When you look at your business, do you see any sort of long-term shifts that you'll make that, uh, you know, this whole pandemic brought to life, uh, that you might not have seen prior to this, if everything would have stayed as is, um, you might have just continued on with your current uh, mode of operation but then with this pandemic you made some shifts in your business to respond to immediate needs but do you see some of those needs or some of those shifts uh, playing out over the long run um, going forward now
2: i certainly hope so i, I hope that this isn't a a, a temporary bubble and that You know this this uh december we'll see 10 million bikes on ebay um (laughs) because people realize that cycling isn't as quite as easy as they thought or or whatever um no i i really do think that that there's going to be a shift in the way people look at transportation and mobility and um you know our city has certainly um taken some significant strides in in making uh making riding a bike in in downtown colorado springs easier and safer so I do think that we'll see a continuing trend of people looking at bicycles as a, as a way of not only recreating, but perhaps going to work, transport, you know, going to the store. And um, I'm trying, you know, we're in the process right now as all retail bike stores are of, of basically ordering the 2021 product, um, the manufacturers have gotten earlier and earlier in the year um, as to when they want us to put our preseason orders in so that they can adjust their factory orders in the Far East to accommodate that. And we're trying to, you know, not overstock our stores based on what's happened in the last three months. And we're kind of looking at that as a uh, an outlier. And um, however, you know, I just had this conversation yesterday with Brian, I think that You know, if we can see a a nice little increase of, say, 15 or 20% over, not this year, but last year, Hmm. looking at this year, again, as as an unusual circumstance that may not repeat itself, and buy our inventory accordingly, um, that would be a nice trend. I do think that we'll see more. Um, One thing that we're going to change up is that we're going to carry more, you know, kind of uh, transportation-related bikes versus, you know, Sporting related bikes, be those mountain bikes or whatever, and the other thing that we've seen a, a significant increase in demand for is is e-bikes. Um, the e-bike category has uh, has is is really the only category in in cycling in the United States before the pandemic issue that had significant growth. Now you know, 100 growth of of a very small number is still a very small number, but um, we're seeing e-bikes becoming a, uh, a uh, adopted and accepted, and access issues are being sorted out all over the country as to where they can go. Um, there's certain countries in Europe where 60, 70 percent of all new bikes that you, you you see going down the bike path are pedal assist e-bikes. So that category, I think, is gonna is gonna continue on, and that this um, this whole pandemic thing has, well, if nothing else, supercharge the demand for e-bikes um, even more. So again i see i see a nice growth trend in cycling um there's some trends that are similar to europe that i think america will will start following to some degree um people will re- realize that they don't necessarily need to jump in their car to drive four miles to work um, by themselves <laughs> right. and that it's actually kind of you know bad weather aside it's actually kind of fun so again i see a i see a a, a nice a nice increase in growth but certainly not you know, we bike shops can't, you know, look at the last three months and say, oh, we've got to stock up. We've got to, you know, we've got to order 75% more bikes, um, for next year than we did, you know, this year. That's just simply not going to, that's not sustainable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you've you've given me some of information about just your business and and how it's been affected. I would say kind of from my uh, vantage point, it seemed like you were in a good spot in the sense of, uh, the city kind of embracing uh, the city government in some sense kind of embracing the need to get out in nature as a, as a, as a response to the pandemic uh, versus I know other markets I have friends of course kind of spread across the U.S. and this th- that was different over there for sure in other spots there was much more of a hunkered hunkered down at home that's your way to stay safe and I, I actually appreciated at least what I picked up on was some encouragement to get out in nature and that's a that's a healthier response to the to the pandemic. But so I've certainly probably worked in your favor being in this area.
2: Absolutely. I would agree. I mean, we live in, you know, not just in Colorado, but Colorado Springs in general is one of the most, in my opinion, the most bike-friendly cities. Um, You can literally pedal from the west side of town and be on the trails in in a matter of minutes. And, um, you know, we have opportunities that I think a lot of people take for granted that even up in Denver, they don't. So, no, I agree with you. The city was, the city was, um, was very, receptive of letting people, encouraging people, as you said, to get out and exercise. And I know that in my neighborhood, I saw a marked increase in people that, that I knew didn't live there, walking yeah. their dogs, hiking, riding their bikes. I live on a pretty steep hill. Um, and uh, I saw a lot of you know newish riders struggling to go up the hill, but you know, <laughs> It was nice. It was nice yeah. to see people getting out and, and exercising for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I'm one of those people. I've had my bike for years, and then I, I came from Indiana a year ago. So obviously the hills here are different, different than anything out there. But it was. I saw the same thing. I have a view to the street, and constantly saw more and more people, just as like just for their own sanity to get outside and walk as a family or, or, or ride bikes as a family, and, and it was absolutely see, so. yeah. Cool. Uh, again, man. Thanks so much for your time, and it's been great.
1: You've been listening to the Cause and COVID mini-series on the Metaphorically Speaking podcast. At Keyhole Marketing, we tell big stories for small businesses. If you're in the Colorado Springs area and struggling to tell your story in this season, we'd love to come alongside you and help you with your content, branding, SEO, social media, or photography needs. Send us an email at hi at keyholemarketing.us if we can help.